Hello fellow readers, I'm Fasti Karlitz. Today's episode is all about graphic novels and comic books. I speak to the vibrant and dynamic team behind Crazy, South Africa's first superhero comic, and hear recommendations from staff. Welcome to A Reader's Community, a podcast brought to you by The Book Lounge. Comic books, graphic novels, and graphic biographies are special because they don't just tell a story through prose, but visually as well. What I love about graphic novels is that it feels like they give me direct access to the world the writer is envisioning. They're also so accessible and immersive, and usually only take a couple of hours to read, but still manage to communicate so much because the visual component adds a feeling or a mood in a different way than prose does. There's also something special about the physical thing that a graphic novel is. You're purchasing the handiwork of an artist, and it's a remarkable and striking aesthetic object that can be revisited again and again for the story or for the art. So the books we're mentioning today are stories that we love, but also books that are a feast for the eyes. We start with Quasi, an exciting and gorgeously illustrated comic book series that has gained popularity around the world. Quasi is a 19-year-old boy who's interested in girls and fashion, but he discovers that he is one of the star people, which gives him not only superpowers, but also a destiny. He joins a team of star people, or supers, including Muhal, Azania, and Koi. The latest collector's edition has just been published, and in it we see a villain more powerful than the ones Quasi has faced in previous issues, in a darker edition of the series than the ones that came before. The team behind Quasi includes the creator and illustrator, Loiso Mkizi, colorist Clyde Beach, and award-winning author Mahale Mashejo. Loiso is a visual artist who has had multiple solo exhibitions and works now as a penciler for DC Comics. Clyde is an art director, a colorist, and a digital painter. And Mohale is a versatile storyteller who has written a variety of books, including a novel, The Yearning, and a short story collection called Intruders. She is the inaugural winner of the Felida Literary Prize and was a writer on Black Panther, Sins of the King. The team came to the book lounge and I got to chat to them about the latest installment of Quasi. at the book lounge with the team behind Quasi, which is South Africa's first comic book superhero. Welcome everyone, thanks for joining me. Hello, hi. Thanks for having us. So there's a whole three of you behind this. So can you tell me what your roles are? Like what do each of you do in, in the Quasi project? Mahale, let's start with you. I basically shut down all ideas, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm the, the script writer. So whatever ideas we come up with when we are in our huddle, you know, basically discussing where we're going next, I put it in the script format. Okay, so you, you story together and yeah. then you do the, the dialogue. Mm. Okay. What about you, Louisa? So and from that premise as well, so we'll link up the story and I'll have to um, storyboard mm-hmm. first and as well as illustrate it as, and then pass it along. So my job is storyboarder, illustrator. And Clyde, what's your role? 
Yeah, so I'm sort of a creative lead on there. I come in, I do the colors. And like you mentioned, we sit in a writer's room sort of thing, a boarding room, and we develop story and plot. And then he does the line work, the, the black and whites, and I do the full color and finishing art. I saw online the sort of before and after, like Louise's work to Clyde's work, and I'd encourage people to check it out because I don't know that much about comic books, and it's really interesting to see, like those processes are very different. Um, and then at the end of it, it looks like a comic book. It's it's very cool. Right. I think it also comes from, uh, you know, our previous jobs, um, particularly me and Clyde coming from being illustrator myself, head illustrator, Clyde being head colorist at Super Strikers oh, or cool. Striker Entertainment. Yeah. So the flagship project there was Super Strikers, the comic book. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do remember. Everybody yeah. remembers yeah. Super Strikers. I know, but it seems like you have to jog people's memories these days because they've been discontinued and yeah. you don't see the comic book anymore in circulation. So, yeah, that was for, for a good couple of years. Um, for me, seven years, I was an illustrator there. And, yeah, it's a pipeline. You've got the writer, you've got the person who does the scams, storyboards, right? and does the pencils, yeah. then another person does, does the inks, there's another person that does the colouring, on and on, until lettering and then preparing it for print. So we come from that pedigree, so we've mm. sort of like naturally taken it into this project as well. That actually speaks quite well into the origin or the, the culmination of what formed Quasi. Back at our striker days, um, Luisa and myself actually sat back to back. Oh so, oh, so that's where so, you met. They've um, been annoying I, for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I was at Striker for about eight years, but I got there quite a bit after Louis. Quite a so. Bit, yeah. so I was fairly new, wet behind the ears, so I came in as a colorist, um, became the lead colorist. So at one point, both myself and Louisa were lead artists on, on the Striker comic. And I, say, I think that set the foundation for what Quasi is. Yeah. And one day after Louisa, I think he, he'd penciled out the very first issue. And he tapped me on the shoulder one day and he was like, dude, I need some help to get this comic finished. And yeah, the rest is history. He penciled and inked the first one. I came on on colors. I gave a few suggestions here and there. Back then I wasn't as heavily, the first issue, I wasn't as heavily involved. Well, I got a little bit more involved as it progressed. Yeah. But the fu fundamentals was Lohiso's you know, principle. He always said I was sort of the hose and he's the filter. <laughs> so he filters through all my garbage. Mahale, you weren't on board for the first couple of issues. When did you join the team? I think I joined uh, from issue seven. Yeah, seven, yeah, se se seven to right now, 15. And uh, I mean, when I heard about Quasi, I thought, okay, well, this is cool. And then I, I was on a panel discussion, basically asking these guys questions. And there were supposed to be other comic book guys, I think from Nigeria, who were supposed to make it. Yeah. And they, they didn't arrive. And the so it was just... The wasn't approved in time or something. Yeah, and yeah. so it was the three of us on this panel. And I was like, I really dig this vibe. Mm. So let me insult their work <laughs> so they can hire me. <laughs> no, because I literally said, I said, this is so beautiful. But I think you need somebody who's an expert at like crafting a story and yeah. helping it along. Mm. And they, they said no to me initially. They said, oh, really? no to, they said no to me a couple of times. I can imagine myself <laughs> saying no, to be honest. And I was like, I'm an award-winning author. What are you doing? We eventually turned yeah. over, but I yeah. guess it was... <laughs> I, I agree, because that first day, we, we, were, we were all actually wearing black and yellow. 
Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And, and so, not intentionally. Not, not intentionally. intentionally. We went onto Cute. the panel and yeah. the crazy theme was sort of black and yellow and she yeah. already was in her black and yellow and I yeah, said, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, team member. <laughs> yeah, but they said, no, let, let the record show. Yeah. They rejected me before I joined this team. You know, playing hard to get is a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, makes the heart grow fonder and look at her now. <laughs> Still works, I do not endorse the strategy for the record. <laughs> I think also, I, I do understand them though. They're so very protective over this idea. And yeah. it's difficult to let someone else come in on something that you've been working on for so many years. Yeah. But you know, I made it in there. But we yeah. realized we realized we needed some form of structure. More than just sending it to your publisher for editing, like yeah. someone with that sort of backbone and knowledge and creativity mm. to join the team. And I, I suppose the team is big enough, mm. you know, to accommodate, um, yeah. to accommodate. Like this is Team Kwezi with a core team, but we do mm. have an extended team. You know, oh, we've yeah. got we've got a couple of guys that we've sort of mentored. Um, mm. and had come on in the comic uh, in, in certain places. Yeah. Um, I think the last issue we had two, three Muhammad, guys. Mohammed Hussein. Yeah. yeah, and we also had um, Underdog and uh, Mazi. But it's definitely, definitely a mentoring program and help get them on the map, help, yeah. you know, sort of show them the ropes a little bit. Yeah, because you really are first in, mm. in, in this field in some ways, like the, the first way, yeah. African superhero. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a labor of love in the beginning. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, you put this thing together and it was, and also our colleagues and just like friends that are artists, like, well, you know, just checking how it would work and yeah. what do you think of a, of a, comi- of a superhero here based mm. here? And mm. it was always like, oh, what is he going to be about? And there was a lot of naysaying before and I understand because like, Comic book reading culture here in South Africa is not as big as we'd like it to be. Like, yeah, at least it's very, it seems young. Yeah. Exactly. I was, so I was, one, was one of those naysayers when we first came on. Really? Because I was like, ah, but this is like Superman, he's just black. Or, you know, this character is Green <laughs> Arrow, but he's, but he's a black Green yeah. Arrow. We learned that everything is the, lo- the or I learned at least, everything is derivative in some or other way. Yeah. Okay, so Kwesi is a superhero, taps into the sort of bigger tradition of superheroes. Mm. But it's he's not just a black Superman, right? Like, right. he doesn't just happen to be in South Africa or, like, happen to be in Johannesburg. Right. Um, like, he's he's African in meaningful ways, and as are the other characters. Yeah. Um, so could you talk a little bit about that, like, bringing that, those think, elements through? Yeah, I, th- I think that's what actually made it tick. Because, like, I won't lie, I mean, like, designing the character itself in the beginning was spandex. <laughs> yeah. Like, will it work with a cape? And it just didn't work. It, it couldn't work. So his initial design was around, um, loosely around my little cousin at the time, you know. So um, while like busy tinkering around, because I'd already started working on it in 2013 already. And he didn't have a super suit then, did he? He didn't have a super Mm -hmm. suit, right? So he was wearing jeans, Uh a t-shirt, a jacket. And then so I kind of used my my, my little cousin as a case study, even with how he'd approach the whole superhero Mm. thing. I mean, this is a kid, 19 year old, who discovers he's got superhuman abilities he can fly super strength virtually indestructible and so what would you do if you were 19 and that's the question that i asked him and obviously like he's a lighty he's a matric he's got that funky hair he's like he's about the he's about this life and he told me that you are at lloyd uh, if it was me, I'd have, you know, I'd get some money, I'd get, <laughs> you know, I'd get the followers on Instagram, I'd be like the biggest like influencer, you know, yeah. get all the brand endorsements, get all, on and on and on. And, uh, and that literally was the, the foundation of the character, because as you meet him in the beginning of the story, he's something of an anti-hero. He's just like, he's just 
you know, whatever heroic deeds he does is yeah. always for, you know, another thing. It's just, he might save someone and, and have a selfie with whoever he saved. So it was always, the approach was that he it would be self-serving first and then mm-hmm. he'd have to learn as time went by you know, why he's got the powers. Yeah, so the superpowers are there for him to get Insta-famous. Like, that's all about was, the, yeah, and the it was capturing fun like it that. and the likes. And yeah. the, it was yeah. a, it's a fun premise because it's also relatable, but, uh, and, and that's what we wanted, right? Um, and also with the, with, the, with the supporting characters as well, yeah. Azania, Koi, Mohao, you know, like, what's nice about them is that they got a chance to create, you know, I don't know, reimagine cultural aesthetics, like yeah. the Zulu culture, the Basutu culture, you know, Khoisan culture. So it's nice to, 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 ha- to have done that because now it became so big in the world. You know, you've got Black Panther, the movie yeah. that happened, and you've, you've got that realized on big screen. But back then it was, it felt fresh and it worked for the story. That's I think Luisa's right. so, saying, we did it first. Yeah. <laughs> before before, yeah, before, before the Dore be Malaje and all those cool <laughs> African fusion designs in Black Panther, Kwezi right. came first. Kwezi did that in 2014 you're not and 2015 Black already. But And we're talking about the film here, not the comic, because yeah. 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 The, the yeah. comic is its own thing, but we're talking yeah. about Natural. the film where we, we were just we, like. We hmm. pulled from the same reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has has Kwesi had an effect on like comic books in general in South Africa? I, I actually want to just jump on that. What we realized at Free Comic Book Day with our 50 copies of comics, we just put the books down and I promise you half an hour later, everything was sold out. Wow. So the industry and the community was hungry for that yeah. kind of content. It went to show and I think the fact that we sold out so quickly and the people is actually part of what put it on the map. Yeah. And, and there's no, obviously, there's never any clear indicators whether people actually want it or not. It's yeah. only when you do it, then all right. of a sudden there's a need for it now because it exists. So that yeah, was everyone big, was ready for this. Yeah. It was yeah. the, a very good um, proving ground for us yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we're finding that representation is so important, mm-hmm. you know. And having having someone like Kwezi, a black superhero made by a black team, you know, yeah. by people of color. So um, it's important. It's an important moment in history, I think. I don't yeah. know if I'm speaking too big and if my team agrees, but I think it is an important... Um, Does the team agree? I definitely agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. I mean, Listen, look. Um, let's not be coy or like humble. It is an important yeah, moment. Because yeah. once you put this out there, then somebody else goes... Oh, I think I'm going to create my own, you know, superhero comic book and and so on and so on. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we were talking about how the comic book industry is still so like, is so tiny. But that's because it's crazy. You know, it's something else and something else and something else all holding hands together. And then suddenly you look at it and you go, actually, it's not so small anymore. Mm. It's not so small anymore. And also it's encouraged a lot of creatives to to, to, to go on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to this newest issue. Yeah. So issues 13 to 15, volume 5. Okay, so this is a shift in tone from the previous <laughs> volumes, think so? I think. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about like how the balance of power has shifted, how the tone has shifted, the mood has shifted mm. from the previous volumes, if you agree with me that it has? But you know what? When I when I joined this team, Quasi was still having quite a lot of fun, right? Hmm. Uh, yeah, as a, yeah, as a crazy character, the character yeah. yeah, crazy yeah. the character was having a lot of fun and like working through things internally. Yeah, you know, yeah. working with stuff through stuff and also getting to be part of a team, right? And mm. this team, 
uh, had uh, many false starts. You know, they they had some problems, mm-hmm. but now they're a team. They're a well-oiled machine, and they're coming again. They're coming up against something that is uh, something that they've never experienced. It's mm. just like uh, something bigger than than the yeah. enemies that they've faced. And in order for us to to have told that story properly, I mean, even if you look at the cover. You know, usually these guys are like the the colors are bright, whatever. But you can yeah. tell something is happening, and there's a there's a lot of darkness, <laughs> a lot of dark, a lot of flames, mm. explosions. Yeah, visually it is much darker than the yeah. the previous ones. And I think it was time to go there. It was mm. it was time to go there. We always knew that we would have to get to this point, and this one was definitely more fun to write because we get to see the team in a difficult space, yeah. and everybody is tested. And I'm actually quite looking forward to writing the next one. Um, actually, uh, Carol actually said something earlier on, and we were that was much earlier on today when we were doing the writing room for the animation, mm-hmm. um, speaking about the progression of the character's story as well. And it's about in this story, I think we're introducing the the the, the consequences of, mm. of, of 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 the star appearing and all these supers coming out, super bad guys as well about to right. come out as well. So yeah. there are real stakes that are involved, and we kind of needed to take it there. Yeah. Um. To open up the first page, you you see a whole city on fire, right? Yeah. And that's how we wanted to to to, to bring it. It was like you know you jump in and it's a it's, it's a cold start, and then people have to sort of navigate their way. Whoever's reading it has to sort of like. You know, cheer on their 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 protagonist and watch him get really pummeled, plum- yeah. right? Yeah. So it's uh, it, we needed to raise the stakes like that and visually just you know you know you want to, you want to push your 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 titular character to those places so that he can also like progress you know learn stuff. Yeah, and yeah, because Quasi had some growing to do, but also on the other hand, like he was kind of unparalleled in his ability. Exactly. Um, and you know whatever he faces, you kind of believe that he can take it on. Mm. But then at the end of the last volume, we have this new villain near us, yeah. and then suddenly, we're not so sure. Yeah, so sure. Yeah. So, I think I think I think that was the. We were actually building up to this character for a while and we did a good job of keeping it quiet. Mm. This was a cool exercise or a writing exercise for us as well because we sort of tell the story out of not exactly chronologically. <laughs> you know, we tell it out of sequence but to make it still flow and be narratively stable. Yeah. Um, also, it was an important moment because even though Quasi was unparalleled, he had all these things that personally affected him, his surroundings and everything around him wasn't affected. Yeah. This, the, this situation in this specific book changes the landscape forever, unless we decide to do time warping, which I actually <laughs> considered, and um, parallel universes and things to reset everything. The landscape of South Africa, Gold City, um, won't ever be the same. Yeah, and, and that's a cool exercise for us as creators because now we get to look also into the future Mm. you know we might not have many um, issues left in us but there's a lot of potential and possibility ahead because we like i said um we we first conceptualize the story and then we high five okay that's what it's going to be okay loiso go right (laughs) and then covid is happening i really think it had an effect like there was something about uh, you know the world was really helpless at that time you know everything was topsy-turvy and it did it, feel like the world was coming to an end. Yeah, spoke to right, that. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, in hindsight, it really, when you look at the pages, you can definitely t- tell that it comes from a specific time, yeah. and there was a definite feeling during that time. And I, for for myself, I mean, like when I was penciling and figuring it out, it was that you know 
Yeah. It was that extreme. That and I was writing it in a different country. All right. Yeah. Where were you? I was in France. Oh. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. I was in, in soft lockdown. Then I was in hard lockdown. It was just all lockdown in France. <laughs> I had a 6 p.m. curfew and I was in this apartment by myself because I couldn't go out and see other people. So my mind was also there when I was writing the script. Mm. It was in November, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, I, I finished writing it and I was like, oh. I'm so exhausted. I, I had a kid born in the middle of all of this. <laughs> so there was a lot of growing to be yeah. done, like on all fronts. And it's like, it shows now because I, I believe, and I think the, obviously the whole team actually believes that this is actually our best collector's edition. I, I mean, making the stakes higher just makes it thrilling. Like, I mean, I don't know how how it's going to end. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about a sort of like break in the darkness. And you can see it like visually when you're paging through. And that is, okay, tell me if this is too much of a spoiler and I should leave it out. But as, that we see some of Azania's backstory. Look, I think we I should. Have people... yeah. yes. I, think, okay. I think that's important. I have been begging for it. Please tell me about it. <laughs> so initially when we started, you know, kind of conceptualizing this, I wanted to call this this issue crazy origins because mm. I wanted to have everyone's backstory in here so w when we first start out we're quite ambitious like we throw in 25 ideas and then we realize uh, we don't have enough pages yeah. <laughs> for 25 ideas but I was very very passionate about uh, getting to know Azania as a you know as a young woman as a young kid actually yeah seeing where she's from and visually you're right and this is where I applaud Clyde because he was dealing with with dark stuff but as soon as we go back to Azania's childhood it's kind of like it's breath of fresh air right breath of fresh it's so air. pure and bright and full and hazy. of light also, I mean yeah, like, yeah. A, also like a memory sort of yes. feel to it like, also that issue 14 cover wow Louisa, you just uh, you knocked it out of the yeah. park in yeah, fact I, I actually uh, it is so beautiful it's, it's gorgeous yeah. and right? i like you see how they create the creative process overlaps. I did fan art a little while back uh. because I wanted to introduce these characters and we never used them in that sentiment mm. that would have been Azania's handmaidens. We knew her backstory, we just never had a chance to introduce it into the bigger mm. story. And I did some fan art and she had these handmaidens with her. And based off that, which I was actually, I'm quite proud of, mm. I'm Lohiso based sort of the characters and you know, mm. the way they, the way the warrior yeah, you know, dope how, how they look and yeah, sort of yes. how young Azania looks and it actually <laughs> so it actually translated quite well. And like Carol was saying about the backstories and wanting to do crazy origins, <laughs> you know. Um, then we had to we had to distill it because they, they have such deep backstories and we're so excited about at least showcasing a little bit of mm. Azania's backstory, yeah. Mm. Because Koi has an exciting backstory. More house is gonna be. Are we gonna see all epic. of this? Oh, so, yes. so, okay. so the okay. plan is it. that's a bit of a spoiler, but the plan is we intro into the next one with backstories from Mohau. I love a backstory. <laughs> but I'm not done with this specific backstory. <laughs> okay, so we find out that Azania comes from like she's been she's destined to be a warrior. She's trained as a warrior yeah. from childhood by mm -hmm. her family. And she seems to be in this very matriarchal society mm. where the only authority figures you hear of are all women. Yeah. And she's in that lineage. And I just found that so thrilling. Please talk, talk to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I when I joined the team, I always complained about it being a sausage fest. <laughs> Come on, give us something. <laughs> and you see me roll my eyes. Yeah. Always, I'm just like, give me something. Yeah. You know, and by the time we got to this, I was ready. I was amped. But mm. I think 
they were into the idea too. So I kind of inceptioned them to be excited about this idea. <laughs> but once we got to the point, everybody had something to contribute to the story. And I do love it because if you think about when you meet Azania in, it is an issue one or first collector's edition. When you yeah, meet her, you, yeah. you, you, you get a sense of this is a self-assured woman. Yeah. She, she didn't just become like this because she got powers the other day. Yeah. She's been like this her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just so desperate to give the other characters their backstories. But the fact that it was Azania's backstory here, I'm like, yay! Yeah. I got what I wanted! Yeah, yeah. yeah. What and also is, is pretty cool is, um, you know, she, she's always been a very, you know, straight, tight character. Mm. And it was nice to 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 to, to reimagine her in a more endearing setting, yeah. where she's not the the um, the dominant. She she's learning. She's in tutelage yeah. from um Becky or the her, her mom, and yeah. Yeah. and that actually like it, it it showed a softer side to her. It showed um someone who, who who's got something to protect. Mm. You know, eventually. Yeah. You know, so it was nice to explore that so that you can almost understand her as well as you meet her from. Episode two is she's kicking Quezzy's butt yeah. across the city, you know, and she's another episode she's knocking Mama Do like a giant like across the city as well. So very strong character, um, you know, visually. So yeah. it was it was a nice opportunity and then kudos um, Carol for allowing that gap for mm. us to to to. You know, it's, it's a nice window to see the other side of Azania. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It actually shows how hard she worked to. Yeah. To, to become the character she is. And yeah. it shows, it actually it actually helps explain a lot of the friction between herself and Kwezi. Mm. That, you know, Kwezi's just come by these things and he's, he's using it irresponsibly and she's got this very strong sense of... And then all of a sudden, he's also of, the one. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And when she was growing up, she had her own destiny, but she's confused because she was also promised that mm. she had this one sort of the one destiny. Yeah. And yeah, there's exciting um, dichotomy, I think the word is. Yeah, like they have like competing ideas of destiny yeah. and they, they can't both be right. But I, I love that about the series is that People act according to destiny, mm. but it, but that keeps shifting. Mm -hmm. You think from the beginning that everyone knows where what crazy is supposed to be and where crazy is supposed to end up, but but everything keeps shifting. Everything keeps shifting. It is important also because these are not one-dimensional characters. Yeah. You know, I think once we get to Mahal's backstory, which is I think is my my second favorite after Azania's, is you come to realize that everybody in this team has got something to lose or has mm. lost something and wants justice or wants to prove themselves or wants to protect something. That's what makes this team different. They're not um they're not an army. Yeah. You know? not just like, they're, yes. they're not an army. Yeah. They they're not about justice as much as they are about fulfilling something. Mm. So th this is not a, a this is not a justice team. This is not an army. These are real people. Who then got powers one day because of the star? Yeah, yeah, I think I wanted to mention that point before. It's like it's more a look at the social interactions between the characters, mm -hmm. but they happen to have this prophecy and this mysticism and this superheroics um, thrown on them. Even if you look at the characters, they don't really go out and do superheroics. Yeah. They circum everything they do is circumstantial. Yeah. It's it's led by either a prophecy, which is again we'll get into Mahao's whole thing, mm. and he drive he's the driving force behind a lot yeah. of the actions. Quasi's actions are, are either out of response to something that happened or, or touched him personally. He hasn't truly been altruistic as of yet mm. throughout the book. And that just shows how realistic he's a 19-year-old kid. Maybe he's 20 by now, but let's mm. call him a 19-year-old kid. Mm. And 
it's so funny like how we go from book to book and experience to experience um because i think for each of us where we were involved with writing the books tell something about our own personal journeys it's, it's steeped in allegory um i think I'm, I'm so fond of book um what is it four, four five four six to five, yeah. four, four to five six, six. Oh, with, it's ego. About, yeah. with ego on ego island so quasi faces his sort of doppelganger his his conscience his shadow self his, his mm. shadow self yeah. Yeah, the, the shadow um what's the jung jung yeah yeah exactly. Carl jung so um we actually looked into that so i thought about that and it's and and we sort of manifested it in so you get this this primal looking guy you know in in loincloths and his face is painted you don't realize with the face paint you're not supposed to realize with the face paint that is he's a reflection is a mirrored yeah. version of crazy oh you know what it's because of i i remember now why i got hired it's because i understood what that whole yes. what that whole uh, yes. collector's edition was about yes. i said to them ah be wrong but is this about and they both looked at each other and they were like yo <laughs> i think that's why i got hired i feel actually. like we thought we were too clever <laughs> we we were smart. and, and lo and behold someone just happens to get it yeah. how did she get it but that was, you know? that's, that's, i didn't notice that i mean i knew like that this person was his all of his own doubts or whatever but i didn't realize it was literally crazy. It's okay yeah. it, it was just <laughs> pure luck that i was like no hold on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call it insight yeah, yeah, yeah. okay as you do you left this on quite a cliffhanger so when is the next one coming this <laughs> is <laughs> what happens when That's you do cliffhangers that's literally my publisher like hiding her face because like she knows one. how long it takes <laughs> For this particular creative team to put this thing together, it takes a while. I mean, yeah. it took a, it, it took a, you know, next to close to a, a two years two to, yes. to put the two, to, uh, two and a half years. There you go. No, I wouldn't go that I, far. I, I will say, I will say that the two and a half years did the book well. Yeah. yeah. I think us working yeah. together and learning Evolving. to write together, and at the same time. We started going into our animated shows development. So we wrote a pitch bible, we have a mm. first we have a pilot script. We we actually created a lot of content around the animated show and we kind of learned how to kill our darlings mm. and um it am I saying it right? Slow to yes. your babies. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, the first uh, one but, is better. But, and, but then you start to actually interrogate your characters a bit more and you start to yeah. understand them more when you start writing them for yeah. TV. When you have to actually put them down in a bible instead of just having them floating in your head and having yeah. characteristics floating in your head and this voice in your head telling you, but this is what the character would do mm. and you kind of just write it. Mm. When you have to put it down on paper, you start to, but why would this character do that? Mm. What what is Quasi's mm. compelling back? You spoke about backstories and i noticed not a lot of people ask about quiz's backstory he mm. just woke up with powers and no one's questioned it yet <laughs> yeah. and that that's one that we need to next issue yeah. Yeah. so the fact that we're developing a show and that we just won the cape town international animation festival we watched that we we won the the pitching competition <laughs> and all of that development feeds back into the book it actually makes this content better it yeah. really does i mean yeah. we we got closer as a team but also we got closer to these characters mm. i think more than we ever thought we would with with yeah. these characters and yeah. it's it's we understand them i know it's something crazy to say when we're writing you know issues 13 to 15 but we understood them better 
once we had to put them in animation. And I'm I'm so thankful for that huh. process. Right, and yeah. they keep morphing, they keep morphing. Actually, it was very hard to contain the story into these few yeah. pages. What is this, 45 story yeah. pages? So it was really hard to contain them. Uh, well, the story as it is, because like, what you got, Nerus was just like really, really exploding into the city, and there's its, that that has its own cause and effect, right? Yeah. Mm. And and here you have Mohao, who's completely now you know in a position where he's not really sure about the prophecy, and that has its own effect and and, and its own journey. So. Um, you've got like Koi, who's now come into a place of reckoning. He's he's got his own moral yeah. compass inside, yeah. and has to make his own decisions, you know, and then have without authority a team, right? without a team. Mm, so yeah. this, and you see new teams form. You see people you would exactly. never expect be together. You Ooh, I love that. You, I love the you, shifting you see, allegiances. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. I awesome. how big that cliffhanger that was. Cliffhanger was pretty big. Mm-hmm. The stakes I just also. got to the end, and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It's so nice to talk about this now that we're holding the issue in our hands. I keep paging through it because I'm like, this is so beautiful. Honestly, this is our best work. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed talking to all of you. Thank you so much again, man. This was dope. Thank you. You can find all the editions of Crazy at the Book Lounge. The staff recommendations today will all be graphic novels, and we're starting with Jess, who talks about the pleasure of reading graphic biographies and graphic memoirs. The graphic novel that I recently read and absolutely loved is Kusama by Elisa Macelli. It's a graphic biography of Yayoi Kusama, who's an incredible Japanese artist. It starts with her early life in rural Japan and the family tensions around her wanting to become an artist. So she eventually leaves Japan in 1958 with virtually nothing and arrives in New York where she's lonely and things are really difficult. She works endlessly and her mental health really suffers. But in the next two years, her career starts to take off and she becomes a huge figure in the New York art scene of the 1960s and 70s in a very political way. And this is an aspect of her career that I actually knew nothing about, which yeah was really wonderful, I suppose, to discover in a graphic novel format. So during the 60s, where pacifism provided a response to America's political standing, she became this celebrated figure or organizer, driving alternative movements and performance art. She would paint bodies with polka dots, where they were dancing naked around the statue of George Washington. She arranged the burning of 50 flags in front of the United Nations building. Her studio became this amazing place of these events called Kusama orgies, which were essentially just a celebration of queer love, hippies, bodies, art, really everything that was having to push back against the political oppression of the time. And yeah, her her life and her work is so visual and so having this graphic novel and having the artist Marcelli's artwork guide this really illustrated the surrealness of it and that time. The art is incredible. It doesn't try to imitate Kusama's work, which I think some artists maybe do when creating graphic biographies of other artists. It's quite soft. It has a really limited palette. Lots of reds and greens, whites. Yeah, I felt like the artist Elisa Macelli did a really amazing job at depicting Kusama's life and art. 
yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that I really love this graphic novel so much. And why I love graphic biographies in general. N not just because sometimes it's easier to commit, you know, it's like, it's a very digestible format. But like the visual nature of a graphic biography means that you can get so much more of, I don't know, like a, a, a feeling. It's like both graphic biographies and adaptations. Like at the moment we have their two George Orwell adaptations. So there's 1984 and Animal Farm that are both graphic novels and both very different, I suppose, stylistically, but I guess that's because like the books are and they each have a feeling that's so specific to the text and it just adds so much. There's also Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale that's recently been made into a graphic novel and I mean even Sapiens, the non-fiction and it's like I wouldn't necessarily have read Sapiens, you know, but I read the graphic novel and I feel like also as a visual person I got so much more out of it than I would have the text. It's like I probably would have been distracted or stopped reading or you know, whereas there's something so like gripping and moving in a way about someone's art. Noah, who is the newest addition to the book launch team, recommends a young adult graphic novel. Hi, my name is Noah and I'm recommending Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Nimona is a fantasy graphic novel about a shapeshifter and her evil villain boss and their adventures trying to undermine the local hero. My favourite part of this book is the characters. Stevenson has taken fantasy archetypes of villains and heroes and made them into interesting and complex characters that the reader can really empathise with. It's a YA book, but I definitely think it's something people of all ages could appreciate. I think as long as you have a, have a love of fantasy, you'll enjoy it. A really good graphic novel is not about just great writing or great artwork. The two need to work together and Stevenson absolutely nails this. More recently, they published a memoir as a graphic novel called The Fire Never Goes Out, which is a very raw and honest reflection on mental health and some of the experiences that Stevenson has gone through over the last few years. It's interesting that the memoir is much less wordy than Nimona and that Stevenson has chosen to use their art as the primary way of telling their story but the messages and emotions come through just as clearly as a written memoir, and I would recommend it just as much as Namona. And here's the army's recommendation. I'm talking about Glass Town by Isabel Greenberg. It's about the four Bronte siblings and their juvenilia. So this is all the stuff that they were writing before they wrote their novels. And it also includes the brother that almost no one knows about. When their two eldest sisters died, out of the six children, they were mostly at home and they were just writing these incredible stories and they used to make up these amazing worlds. One of the worlds they invented together was Glass Town. So they would just spend hours together in this lonely house writing these stories together. And this graphic novel captures a lot of the stories that they wrote together as well as some of the historical aspects from the siblings. And the illustration style is really really captures how lonely and desolate they were on the moors and it's not like a comic book style it's like more like artistic woodcuts in a way and like the coloring is very simple primary colors she's really good at capturing that gothic dark loneliness that's encapsulated in all of their books but it's also her 
illustrations are really quirky and funny and a little bit ridiculous. So it's a really fun, interesting book, but it's also the topic is really fascinating. Another book I wanted to talk about, Fangs by Sarah Anderson. Sarah Anderson mostly does webcomics. Some of her stuff has been published in anthologies. Her previous one was called Herding Cats and was very silly, quirky comic strips. This one's drawing style is maybe a bit more serious, but the storyline is still really cute. It's about a vampire and a werewolf that are dating. And it's just small vignettes out of their relationship, how they navigate being monsters, but also in love. And it's very cute and romantic, and I would highly recommend it. That's our show. The Book Lounge is an independent bookstore in Cape Town, which you can support by ordering books to be delivered to your home, or by coming into the store and getting some recommendations from staff in person. We'd love to hear any feedback or comments from you, so please do get in touch via email. Our email address is booklounge at gmail.com. You can find all the titles mentioned in this episode in the description. Thanks to Loiso Mkiza, Clyde Beach, and Mohale Mashejo for being on today's episode. This episode was produced by the very adroit Andre Burnett, with some assistance from me. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be with you again in two weeks. Until then, keep reading. <laughs>